synth and electronic music show on Big Bubble Radio from Whitstable. My name's Peter Coy, coming to you from the Sonic Shed. I'm joined by Clive Walpole from his synth cave across town. Hi Clive. Oh, thank you Peter, good to speak to you. For our first show we've chosen a selection of electronic music that got us interested in this genre. The theme tune was kind of a tribute to Florian Schneider from Craftwork. Were they a band you were into Clive? Yeah. I remember when I first heard the autobahn, I always thought they were singing fun, fun, fun on the autobahn. <laughs> I had no idea. It was, it was it meant boredom, didn't it? Far and far and. No, it was bo- drive, isn't it? Oh, I thought it was bored, bored, and. bored. Oh, far and. Oh, right. There we are. Didn't you do Deutsch? At no, school? no. Oh, I barely, barely did English at school. <laughs> <laughs> it was cave painting when I was there. Stuff like mammoth, mammoth hunting. In the background we have uh, Delia Derbyshire, Blue Veils and Golden Sands. She was a pioneer of electronic music, working at the Radiophonic Workshop. And we have a colleague of hers, Tristram Carey, coming up. from Tristram Carey for um, they made for Quatermass Experiment film yeah so we probably might have heard that as a kid he did um, he did Quatermass in the pit as well I think the film of it the Hammer Horror one yeah did a few Hammer Horrors mm. and the Lady Killers mm, yeah, yeah that, was, that was probably one of the first bits of electronic music that I, that I heard as well as as well as this Forbidden Planet, that stuff. Yep, so that's a yeah. Louis and Louis and Bebby Bar Forbidden mm. Planet sounds, which uh, I don't know. I have no idea what they used for that, but that was just blew me away when I was. A, I think, I think first they saw sort that. of worked in the same way that the Radiophonic Workshop did, were using sort of you know fixed tone oscillators and then manipulating sound on tape. I don't think they used any mm. synth equipment. It was too early, really. for yeah. Unless they use something like the, R- the RCA synth or something like that, but I doubt it. But it's such a... All these these amazing sort of soundtracks that are connected with visuals that are happening at the time, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then there's Edgar Varese, who people attribute as the father of electronic music with his poem Electronique. 
It was commissioned by the architect Le Capuzier for the Brussels exhibition, and it's played on 400 speakers in a pavilion with a film. It's kind of immersive installation, as they would call it these days. heard that before no never heard that no no it's um remind it sounds going. like he uses a uh, test equipment as well as, and, and they're obviously yeah. using tape i think people also use sort of um radios you know that were out of tune you know off tune and then mm. they, they got frequencies out of radios uh like mm. that i mean i used to play around with um when the old um, LED calculators came out, if you got those dividing zero by zero, you used to run all the numbers, and if you put them next to a shortwave radio, they used to give out shortwave signals. You got really weird sounds out. <laughs> but they obviously had a uh, you know a big impact in those in those days. It wasn't oh, considered yeah. music as such. It was just it was a but it sort of say uh, yeah. I mean, what did they used to say on um, radiophonic? Yeah, on Doctor Who, they'd say electronic realizations or something like that. They'd give you a credit rather than say it was music. Yeah, and they've had years of problems having to get any credit for and money for um, royalties yeah. and everything. It yeah. wasn't considered uh, yeah. normal sort of music sort at all, was it? They were technicians, the radiophonic workshop. So mm. they, they were not musicians, so they they were never credited with music. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So next we have a piece from Fred Judd, who was around in the 50s, 60s, not with the uh, Radiophonic Workshop, but doing similar things on his own. Ah, very Eurovision. 
So that's a bit of a uh, jump from uh, from the abstract to the, yeah. the pop world, really. Pop world, yeah. So it's still done using fixed um, tone oscillators and things like that. Which is quite yeah. So how did get how did he get all the melodies then? Well, he did, but it, it was just recorded on the tape and then speeded up and slowed down stuff like that, which must have taken absolute ages and ages to do. Well, yeah, it's crazy how much work is involved. <laughs> Pre priest computers. No, no, no. Yeah, you take it for granted now, you just chop bits out, stick them in. And, I, know, I, did, I did mess around with tapes when, you know, when I was younger, uh, teens, I used to have an old sharp four-track and uh, yeah. splice and have tape going down the stairs and my dad used to say, what's, what's all this rubbish? <laughs> Stuff like that, try and get... Um, <laughs> And multi-track by re- recording over, and it gradually lose, it was gradually destroying the signal. Really, as you were multi-track. Tape was just such a magical medium, wasn't it then? Yeah, yeah. It was just like the most amazing thing ever. There were. I mean, I, I got the shot because you could change the capstan on it, and mm. then you slow mo it. Oh yeah, the same, the same with mine. Same, yeah, yeah, but you had actually unscrewed the scat capstan. And screwed another one in. There's no sort of button to push. But, but it was brilliant. I thought it was amazing. Going back to the track, the, the uh, Fred Judd has got an interesting yeah, sort of story, hasn't he? I mean, go on, you tell, you tell the story. Well, uh, he was a radar engineer in the war. Uh, in the RAF, actually. I think he was a, a radar operator and a radar engineer. And then uh, when he left uh, after the war, uh, he got a job. Uh, well, in fact, the factory that you were you lived near, didn't you? Well, yeah, that's yeah, the that's the yeah. connection for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. What I didn't know about, mm. which is a which is quite a coincidence. <laughs> he lived and well, worked at the bottom of the council estate I lived on. Yeah. The, uh, in the radar factory, which uh, the mysterious radar factory, down at the where there was sort of like a an area of like a wooded area, like a little dumpy area where you where skinheads hang out, hung out. And uh, yeah, and he I was know, there walking yeah. around. And apparently, he's crazy, but um, whether it was a voltage controlled or what it was, but the first synthesizer he apparently um, invented very early on, I'm talking about the 50s, you know. Um, but there's, no, there's nothing exists of it. I've not been able to find anything out about the actual thing or a picture of it or anything like that. But he did actually make a synthesizer you could play. Um, but then th- there are several people probably you could credit with, with making the first synths because there are a lot of very, very old you know, Victorian instruments that were you know, kind of synths and things like that. Yeah. Well, we hope to do our Coastal Electronauts Night in Whitstable whenever it allows, and we'll be doing a Fred Judd night. Yeah, absolutely. So next we have Bernard Permajani, who was part of the uh, acousmatic and music concrete scene of Paris, starting in the 60s with Pierre Schaeffer. And this is a piece from Di Natura Sonorum.
But that, that album's from 1975, so it's quite late. I don't know how I missed it, because I'm not really familiar with it at all. But uh, there's so much stuff out, and uh, it makes me wonder what I am missing in, in the other people, because, um, I mean, the mm. one good thing about the internet, I mean, when I sort of started messing around with electronic music, um, there was no internet, so you, you were isolated, really. You didn't really get in touch with, you know, find other people that were doing stuff. Yeah. And you couldn't even find out about other music unless you actually found it in a library, which I got a lot of my stuff out of the... Yeah, you used to be able to borrow records out of the library. And yeah. uh, <laughs> that's why I used to look for very obscure electronic stuff there. and um, Or just looking in record shops and seeing what came up. Yeah, well, we both used to go into the record shops and look at the covers and see whether there was a synthesizer on the list... And then we'd buy it. Yeah. <laughs> some rubbish I ended up with. But it was, yeah. It's amazing. But I did find some gems as well. Yeah. 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 Well, I switched on Bark. I just saw that in it. It's called Parade Cycle Stores and it's old records because it used mm-hmm. to sell cycles, bicycles, <laughs> years ago. But she'd never sold a bicycle for years. She just had records. And when I got uh, the Tomita one, which was... Uh, um, Claire, uh, well, the Claire de Lumon. She played it because you could listen to records. And I said, she said, "Oh, I, I got that in the other day. I know, don't know what it is." Hmm. And she, I said, "We'll play a bit of it." And there's a bit where the synth sort of whistles, and she goes, "Oh, doesn't it whistle beautifully?" Uh, I was trying to explain. It's actually not whistling. It's actually the, the, the synth is whistling.
Despite how many times you hear that that piece of music, it's just so moving, isn't it? And uh, and um... I think sort of the electronic element does does add to it. I mean, it, I'm not a purist really about music anyway, and I sort of think, well, somebody from that period, if they'd have had access to those sort of instruments, would have used them. I mean, mm. uh, well, they were conceptual. They were getting into conceptual. Um, composing, they were there, considered themselves allied to the impressionists. Letter so on. they were, uh, they're using the same sort of thought process and concepts to to compose. Apart from the impressionists, he was a fan of Turner as well. Yeah, well, in a way, you know, Turner was a early impressionist, wasn't he? In a, in yeah, well, yeah, big influence on the. It on the was. It must have been. Yeah. Yeah. It's another yeah. Kent. Uh, yeah, Kent, uh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Connection. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's lovely. He's really lovely. Yeah. Our next track is by Susan Chiani. It's called Princess with Orange Feet. When's this, when's this track from? No, uh, that might be 90s. I'm not sure, that one. Mm. Might be 90s. It's, it's uh, performed with a... A booklet is a totally different concept to all the other Moogs and Korgs and any other synth, really. Uh, and I sort of included that one because it uses a, a West, what they call West Coast synthesis. Uh, although it's actually a very, sort of, I suppose, it's East Coast sound as well, but it's using it, but using it in principle.
Associated with with the Buchler and uh, yeah. the uh, the West Coast yeah. style of synthesis. So the next track we've got coming up is from Scanner. This is called Atlantis Voltages. Ah, oh, great! Yeah, yeah. And you see, he always seems to have new equipment, which is a bit uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, a bit jealous about it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but, yeah. But he makes a lot out of it. He seems yeah. to master them quickly. Mm. And uh, when he experiments, he, he finds... Uh, he just makes a great track out of it. Just he, I think he just responds to it and... Uh, yeah. Yeah, produces something. Telegel Atlantis. It's brilliant. Mm. Really nice. I like that. Very, um, I don't know. Just, you know he's a very talented, you know, yeah, amazing, yeah. amazing chap, isn't he? Yeah, and I quite like it because it's fairly like simple, just using one thing. Um, yeah. And, and the echo and delay. Just using echo and delay and just using one one thing because I think, mm. you, I mean, I've got, well, you know, I've got loads of gear. Mm. <laughs> but you can get bogged down with it. Sometimes, mm. but um, exactly too much. You know, you're like, well, should I include this? Should I include that? And and then you don't know what you're doing after a while because you've got too much. You get out of your depth with it. Really. 
something. But sometimes I've come up with probably some of the better things I've done, I think. Just using one, one thing, one synth or something like that sometimes. Well, there's a. Let's play one of your tracks then. Mm-hmm. Which, what, what have you given us here? I've, it's called. Um, well, I did it on a, a, a new synth that I've got, which is the uh, Poly D, the Behringer. Uh, which is a, mm. a polyphonic <laughs> a polyphonic mini mug, um, very nice synth, but I used it, um, the arpeggi- arpeggiator on it rather than sequencing. I quite like using arpeggiators rather than sequencers because you can interact more, you know, when you're playing around with them. And it's got this little trick on it as well. I've been able to uh, not only arpeggiate the notes but arpeggiate individual oscillators at the same time. So, and I just this little thing came up. Uh, I've called it Polyphon, <laughs> mm. um, and I'll put it to a little film I did. Uh, I shot down the front with, with pre pre lockdown with with people on the beach and moving around on a little repeats repeat loop in different sort of. Um, oh, but, oh, yeah, I quite like this one. So it's okay. just something I did. <laughs> and. It's as analog mechanic. Analog mechanic, yeah, that's this. Polyphon 2. Yeah. Very nice. Thank you. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Was a so that was that just the one synth overdubbed? I did. Uh, yeah, I did play the the chords. Uh, the the um, in the background, the, the sort of pads in the background that were done with the 
They're done with the poly. Yeah. Uh, D seal, but they there was um, it was wasn't done in one take. There's mm. only two tracks, so yeah, uh, that's great. So, so seeing as as you've had one of your tracks, I'll, I'm going to play one of mine, which is a track I've made for a film called Lockdown that local chap Phil Miller has been making during this period. He's been filming people through their windows and from afar. And yeah, that uh, that'll be premiered within the next month. So here it is, lockdown. The sort of nice intermodulations there with a sort of bit bit ring moddy somewhere. What did you use on that? The uh, musical instruments, plats. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Same oscillator as as your your. As the uh, uh, micro uh, freak, yeah. Micro freak, yeah. Yeah. And uh, and the rings Mm. and uh, Atlantis. Ah, just those three. That's really nice. Mm. I like that. Maybe we've got like a, like a little sort of a coastal sound going there. Yeah. Drift, drifty. Uh, well, I think uh, a lot uh, of my stuff does seem to be kind of watery now since I've moved here <laughs> from uh, from over the water, Essex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, um, yeah, I do. Um, 
Well, I used, I used to spend a lot of time in Essex on the marshes, so and I used to get some of my music there was sort of inspired by the marshes because they're Tilbury mm. marshes. That could be an electronauts evening. evening. Yeah, that would be nice to do. So next we've got a Laurie Anderson track, Let X Equal X, from her first album, Big Science, which she also had a hit, Oh Superman, which is like a number one. Yeah, it was a really unusual thing to get into the charts, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. but, uh, but one of my favourite tracks off that album was uh, Let X Equal X. Yeah. I met this guy, and he looked like he might have been a hat check clerk at a nice rink, which, in fact, he turned out to be. And I said, Oh, boy, right again. Thank you. 
Yeah. That's a lovely track, beautiful track. Yeah. Really nice. She's, she seems to get the uh, sort of humour and melancholy. Yeah. Pathos, pathos. Just right. Yeah, it's amazing. And the, uh, just all the sound textures in it as well. And bringing in brass. Should we go to a bit of a Tangerine Dream now? Yeah, a bit of old uh, Berlin school. Um. <laughs> so Tangerine Dream, not a band that I've really... I'm influenced by it, but I don't know anything about. No. and uh, I don't know a massive amount about them, other than, you know, Edgar Froese and you know, the people that are in it. But, but they're well known for their sort of a, a, a synth arpeggios. That seems to be the, the thing. It does, and... Uh, they used to, you know, a lot of heavy gear to hump about when they played. Often performed in places like cathedrals as well, because they got the reverb. I think Ricochet was done in, in a cathedral. OK, this is Tangerine Dream, Love on a Real Train.
smashing. Yeah, nice. Very dreamy, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, I like that. Look. I think I have to have to listen to more Tangerine Dream. Yeah, just to, have, have completely. Have you have you heard Faker? Sideswiped him. I mean, that was a very. Um, that was kind of more uh, musical. I don't know, more rhythmical. Whereas Phaedra used a lot of Mellotron, actually. So I think very, we listened to it while we were soldering one day. We, we? were, yeah, that's right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> soldering synths, that Soldering synths together. Yeah. So leading, leading on from um, leading on from a bit of Tangerine Dream, is mm-hmm. uh, you got might as well have a bit of Pink Floyd. Oh, now this, this and, is... Some, and uh, and this this sequence they use is is, is just that's what that's what people. As soon as you buy a sequencer, is. isn't it? You think I'll do um, on the run.
that's really simple and it just a square wave with a bit of pulse width on it or something and but then when you try to recreate it it's you realize how unique oh, sound yeah. that, that synth is oh it is yeah and your and your synth can't get that <laughs> yeah well that was done on the the AKS I think I think Roger Walters um, did that sequence mm. actually I read that the uh, laugh at the end of that sequence was uh, one of their roadies, yeah. uh, which they decided that they'd include it uh, in at the end. Mm. So we're going to move on now to uh, the 80s with um, Nola Gay by OMD.
really nice to hear that. It was nice. Very refreshing, actually. It's quite nice. It's great uh, recording and great, great production. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I mean, they're great. You know, he's a great singer. There's, there's, a, yeah. there's a live bass, live, live drums. Yeah. Yeah, well, they had no sequencing as well. Everything was... I think Andy McCluskey said the first synth he got was, was the first synth I got, which was a Korg 700, mm. which is a little organ top synth. All the, yeah. All the controls were under the keyboard, so you could flick flick the switches. It's a lovely little synth, though. I mean, they're sort of collector's items now. Well, the more simple the sound, the, mm. you put through a reverb unit and delay. Yeah, and, and it yeah just, that's all just they did amazing. with it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they had a, a chorus and a double chorus on it, which was really full sound, actually. Mm. It, was, it was almost like you were playing chords on it when you, when you got a really the double chorus going on it. It's really nice. Obviously, the 80s were, you know, great time for uh, all the analogue mm. synths. Yeah. And, uh, all, the, all the cheap analogue synths coming out. And uh, the last song we have tonight, Tube by Army, you gave me this track. Mm. But it's the, uh, the original version, but... I, but I've listened to a demo version. Oh, right, that'd be good, yeah. Which, uh, they, they released it recently. They released these demo versions of his of Tube by Army and Pleasure Principle. I don't know if you've heard of them. But uh, uh, they're quite raw, they're quite yeah. some raw, and it's quite interesting to listen to the uh, to way they sort of, how they developed. Okay. And I hope you don't mind. No, no, I'd like to hear it. I'll play the early I version. I aware there was one. Yeah, that, that'd be good. Cigarette. 
Did you really cut that with the... I mean, yeah, mixed it into... Yeah. Mixed it into the, the uh, single version. Because I, I, it sounded really thought, dull, didn't it? The original versions. Like, well, I don't know. An octave below, singing an octave below, and... Uh, yeah, I like the bass. The, uh, I thought we had a better bassy minimo. I, mean, I quite like the bass, but it was, it was sounding more Bowie-like as well, wasn't it? Yeah, that's true. It sounded a bit, it was very, a bit very ordinary. Yeah. It sounded very demo-y, didn't it? And, uh, mm. It's amazing mm. what... Uh, Taking it up, up an octave to give it a bit of a uh, yeah. fragility and uh, and lots of reverb on the synths and you know, turned into an epic, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. The first time I heard that, well, it's, it's, well anything like it's really different. Yeah, but you can see it just shows you how tracks go through stages. They don't, all, they don't always sound fantastic when you uh, first oh, make no. them. No. Yeah. So this has been the first. Dust synth show brought to you by Coastal Electronauts. Me, Peter Coy. Me, Guy Paul. <laughs> From our distant studios in the Whitstable. In the Whitstable. In the Whitstable. In the bubble. In the bubble. Synthing mm. out in the bubble. Mm. I, know, I know there's more of you out there. Yeah. There's more synths. Come forward, don't be shy. <laughs> <laughs> We've got to bring these people together. There's room for plenty of nerds in Whitstable. <laughs> I know they're all going to Margate these days. But there's uh, lots of sheds and spare rooms. With the stacks of synths. Yeah. Join us. The next installment of Dustin Show. Yeah.